Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Schill, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm David Averbach, CEO and Publisher. Each episode, we bring to you the best apps, top tips, and great gear in the iOS world. We are one week out from Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, which is next Monday, begins next Monday. So this week, David and I are gonna be talking about all of the rumors for the software releases we're expecting from Apple. We're also gonna take a little time to go over some of the supply chain delays that Apple's been dealing with and what that means for your Mac orders. So stay tuned for that. David, you have um, a sponsor to share. I do have a sponsor to share. So today's sponsor is Matthias. Uh, those of you who are longtime listeners will be familiar with them. Matthias specializes in keyboards for Macs. Uh, and I'm going to tell you about two of them today. The first one is they have a wired keyboard for Mac. And this is notable not only because it's an excellent high quality keyboard, but also because Apple has stopped making wired keyboards. And some people have Bluetooth and that's all fine and good, but some people really still like wired. And I actually fall in that camp because of the reliability. Um, you know, Bluetooth, even the best of Bluetooth keyboards can be a little bit buggy. They can come in and out. You have to reconnect them. You have to charge them. Wired just works every time. And so Matthias is the worthy successor for Apple. They're the leading person who makes these keyboards. Um, so make sure you check them out at Matthias's website. We'll put a link in the show notes. And if you do want a Bluetooth keyboard, they have a really excellent option for you as well. What makes their Bluetooth keyboards unique uh, and, and unique even compared to Apple is the battery life. So Apple's keyboards last about three months, I believe. And Matthias's last a year. You have to charge it once per year. So really great battery life. It has a backlight backlight keyboard. So it's a backlit um, Bluetooth, which is cool. And how they do that, which is really unique, they have a separate battery because backlighting takes up a lot of extra battery power. So they have a separate battery for the backlighting so that you can have your backlit keyboard. And if you use it a lot, the backlit might go away, but you can still use your keyboard. You don't totally lose your keyboard functionality. And finally, it connects to four devices. So Apple connects to only two devices and they have these really cool buttons where you can just toggle. So I like to use it, you know, I have my iPhone set up, my iPad set up and my Mac set up and all, you know, if I'm sitting there at my computer, but then I need to type something out on my iPhone, I can just push a button, switch, it'll automatically connect to my iPhone and I can just type there. So really awesome, high quality keyboards. And again, I love these companies that specialize just in one thing. And Matthias does keyboards really well. So make sure you check them out. It's worth noting that Matthias has become our probably favorite in office keyboard yes. too. So many people on our team have started using it and you know choose it over everything else. So it shows it's not just because they're a sponsor of ours that we like yeah, part sharing Matthias with all of you. <laughs> We love finding advertisers who we actually enjoy and use the product. We go out of our way to do so. And Matthias definitely fits that camp. Uh, and how, what I have is I have a external, I've talked about this a couple times, but I have an external monitor and then I have a Matthias, Matthias keyboard plugged into that monitor. And so all I do when I sit down on my computer is, and I have a mouse plugged into that monitor as well. So when I sit down on my computer, I have one plug, I plug it into my monitor or I plug it into my computer and the second monitor shows up, the mouse and the keyboard all show up and I have a nice, really awesome workstation uh, and Matthias's wired keyboard is part of that. Next up, I wanna tell you about our free newsletter called iPhone Life Tip of the Day. We have, how many subscribers now, David? It's still around 250,000, right? Uh, like, yeah, I believe we climbing. are, you know, I think we're over 300,000 now. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So this is our most popular newsletter. Um, it's where people go to get a one minute tip each day that teaches you something cool you can do with your iPhone. So it's just very easy and effortless. It's a fun thing to read over while you're drinking your morning cup of coffee. Go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips to sign up. We have a tip this past week that I wanted to share with you all. And that's how to copy and paste text from a photo on your iPhone or iPad. So this is a really cool feature because, um, it allows you to basically transcribe any sort of text from a photo with very little effort. This is something you used to have to uh, download paid apps to have this type of functionality. And it's now built into your iPhone and iPad. And I feel like a lot of people still don't know about it. 
I love this tip, by the way, I, because I, I, it's something that when live text came out, I thought it was cool, but I didn't use it very much, but I've actually started using this exact feature quite a bit. What do you use it for? I use it for, and it, it couples really well with, if you have a Mac, Apple has this really cool functionality where you can copy something on your iPhone and paste it on your Mac. So if I have something complicated that I'm trying to, um, a, a, like if I have a physical document and there's some text on it that I want, and a lot of times it's for my Mac, what I'll do is I'll take a picture of it, I'll open the picture, I'll copy the text, and then I'll paste it on my, um, on my computer. One of the things, this is a kind of a dorky use case for it, but anybody who has kids know, um, kids, a lot of kids these days are playing this game called Fortnite. And there's, with Fortnite, they have what's called V-Bucks, which is like a digital currency. Uh, and you give kids <laughs> a gift certificate with a Fortnite card code on it. And it's this really long, annoying code that you then have to redeem. So any type of code like that, if you have like, any of those gift certificates where you have to scratch off and get this large code that you type into your computer, I will take a picture of the card, copy the code, and then paste it into the website, and it works really well. <laughs> so, yeah, that's really cool. I was going to – I like in our daily tips that we a lot of times – where we always have a part at the top where we talk about like why you'll love this tip. And so it gives examples like that. It, we didn't in our blog post talk about Fortnite specifically, <laughs> but there are other, here's some other examples of ways you could use it. Cause we, we want to give people not only how to do the tip, but like help them think of ways they could apply it to their life to make their life more convenient. So mm -hmm. um, in this case, you could take, if you have a document that, you know, a printed document. It could be a restaurant menu, a flyer. Um, it also works for URLs. Like you can actually from a photo launch Safari and go to a web site. If you like take a picture of that or just hold up your camera viewfinder and do that. So it's really powerful. There's a lot of different ways you can use it. Um, Ooh, I, I have, I have another use case that I did recently. I okay. had to look up the manual for my TV. So then I had to go look mm. up the TV serial number and it's this really long, annoying serial number. So I just went to the back of my TV, took a picture of it and copy and pasted it. So I will say this, Donna, um, first of all, have you used this feature much? I, I feel like I could actually use it more than I do. Um, sometimes I forget it's there, which is why I was excited to to share it today because in your photos app, there's not like any huge visual indicator. It's there. If you know where to look uh, that like yeah. reminds you that you can copy and text paste text from there. Totally. No, it's one of those things where like you for, it's a great tip because it's not just that you need to know the feature exists. You need to remember to use it when you need it. So it's good. Yeah. It's a good reminder. I will say this, the accuracy is good, but not perfect. So if you're wanting to copy and paste an entire menu, I'm guessing you'd have some typos. Mm -hmm. um, even, even when I'm doing little serial numbers or things like that, sometimes I have to go double check it to make sure that it's correct. So it's not perfect, but for the, so my, in my opinion, the best use case for these are like single words or single strings of letters and numbers that are long, but not so long that like the typos are going to become uh, a major problem. So that's where like serial numbers or like barcode numbers or things like that are sort of that perfect length. Um, another thing you can do too, by the way, is you can get it from real photos. So the example Apple always likes to use is like, you can go look up a photo of you, let's say in Italy, and you can see the name of the restaurant in the background, and you can literally just copy that and paste it and, and search there. So you can, it, you don't just have to use this live. You can retroactively use it for photos you've taken years ago if you want. Yeah, which is, I think a lot of people don't realize that, um, so, so I'm, I'm excited to share. I was just, I thought of a, a situation where I use it. Oh no. What I was going to say is that I see this replacing the QR code because as long, like if, if restaurants just post their website, if they have like a picture of that, instead of a QR code for their menu, for instance, you just scan, you can just scan the URL that way and not even have to deal with QR codes right now. You know, not all, um, not all iPhone models support live text and, not all Android phones do. So I can see why like, you know, establishments haven't switched to that, but it, it does seem like it could replace that functionality. Yeah, totally. 
So how you use this tip, live text, um, it's something, as David said, it applies to both photos you've already taken. And also when you launch the camera app and are you know, live in your viewfinder, live text is available there too. But this tip is actually about photos you've already taken. Uh, so the way that you use it is you open the photos app, open a photo that contains text. Like David said, this can be a photo taken years ago before live text was available, but now, now it'll retroactively apply this feature to older photos too. So that's really cool. So in the lower right corner, you'll see a live text icon if your phone identifies words in that photo. So you just tap on that and then press and hold on some text, then drag to highlight. And you can like drag to highlight the text that you want. And from there, hit copy and you can paste it into whatever you want. Select all is also an option there that just lets you select all the text found in that photo. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention though, is that you don't even actually have to hit the live photo icon in the lower right corner of the photo. You can also just press and hold on text in a photo and it'll start selecting. Yeah, but it's awesome. good to know that it's there because sometimes it can be finicky to press and hold on text and I will find myself going and pushing that button. Really? Yeah, I didn't know if that helped or not, but it was something, it is interesting that it's sort of like a hidden feature in certain ways because also that live text icon doesn't stand out. So it's part of the reason no. I want to like spread the word about live text because I think a lot of people miss it. Totally. So from there, you just need to open the app that you want to paste it in as David mentioned, it's really cool when you copy something on your iPhone, if you have a Mac with a re recent operating system, if you go and paste on your Mac, it'll paste what you just copied from your iPhone, which is a really fun tip, really useful tip that I use all the time. Um, I've been mainly using the notes app to paste things into, but you also might want to text or email that information to someone else. And that is how to copy and paste text from photos on your iPhone and iPad. Next, I wanted to tell you all about our premium subscription called iPhone Life Insider. We have a community of over 12,000 people who are Apple enthusiasts who join Insider to really master all of their Apple devices. We create an environment that's really fun and easy to learn in with lots of different opportunities to learn depending on what appeals to you. So we have live courses that you can join and talk to instructors uh, person to person and get answers to your questions and also interact with your peers. We have uh, in-depth guides that give you a printable PDF that you can keep forever, as well as step-by-step -step videos you can follow along with and find all the information you want. Um, it, we have guides on the latest operating systems on Apple's built-in apps. So if you want to learn all about the Notes app, for instance, or reminders, you can find the guide for that. We also have guides to all of Apple's core Apple devices. So if you're, depending if you're an iPad person, we have the guide for you. If you have a new Mac, we also have the guide for you. We have Ask an Expert, a feature that lets you ask all of your tricky questions as things come up with your Apple devices to one of our experts and they, you have a guaranteed answer to all of the questions that you send in to us. You also get a digital version of our magazine, plus our full archive of over 35 past issues of the magazine, and you get an ad-free version of this podcast with exclusive content. So just for being a podcast listener, you get 30% off your subscription to iPhone Life Insider. We also have a 10% senior discount that is our special thank you to seniors, veterans, service personnel, and medical professionals. So you can just check that box at checkout and get up to 40% off your subscription. So go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. That's iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. That's where you get all of these savings um, for being a podcast listener. And real quick, before we get into the question of the day, I just want to tell you about our most recent guide, uh, which is our iOS 14, iOS 15.5 guide. <laughs> uh, so fun fact, Donna, I, what I learned in, uh, getting ready for this guide is that, did you know that there have, since iOS 15 came out in September, there've been 10 updates to the operating system? No, I, that totally got by me. That's so many. <laughs> there's so many. And so there's, Apple does this thing, and they, I feel like they've actually been doing it more recently with recent operating system updates where they come out with iOS 15, but they don't put all of the features in right away. 
And mm-hmm. over the next six months, they do more and more features that they'll add in incrementally, especially with uh, the kind of, they do a mid-round update. So the, last year, the iOS 14.5 was huge. It was almost like another operating system update. iOS 15.5, they added a bunch of new features as well. So we have a guide for all of the features that have been added since iOS 15 came out. Plus, of course, you get all of the features added with iOS 15 to brush up on everything added to your phone. So it's a really a must-have guide. So if you are not already an insider, it's a no-brainer time to check it out, especially not only with the iOS 15.5 guide, uh, but also you're getting ready. It'll, you'll be ready for when iOS 16 comes out because we're about to talk about all the features potentially coming in iOS 16. And the day iOS 16 comes out, we'll have a guide ready for you then as well. Yeah, I did think with iOS 15.5 and iOS 15.4, we got so many features that were some of the most exciting ones that we heard about last September. And we were so disappointed that they weren't ready for the public at that time. So if you've been waiting for some of these things like SharePlay to be fully ready, live text has expanded capabilities and a ton of the other built-in apps from wallet to notes have more features now this guide will like tell you what all of them are and then how to make the most out of them. Um, and of course, most importantly, 38 new emojis, Donna, 38. <laughs> most importantly, <laughs> which we, you know, if you haven't been catching up on the podcast and you tune in, I think that was two, maybe three episodes ago, David tells you all about how emoji, how emojis uh, come to be, which is and the deep dive into whether it's called consortium or con- well, I don't even remember consortium. anymore. Consortium. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sticking with consortium for the record. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There is a consortium that decides on what emojis are approved uh, and become universally used on across Apple and Android devices. So that's pretty wild. But moving right along, uh, we have an insider question from the last week that I thought was a really good one and is a good sort of PSA to everyone, which is what happened to do not disturb while driving. We had a one of our insiders saying they used that feature before to make sure that it silenced calls when they were driving for safety while driving, and it also had the option to send people text messages that would be like, I'm driving right now, I'll get back to you once I'm not, or something like that. And so that feature appears to have disappeared in the latest operating system, but it actually has just been folded into a focus mode for driving. Um, so Apple's do not disturb functions Uh, now have been sort of under the umbrella of a new feature called Focus. Focus lets you set up different settings for different activities that you're doing where you don't want to be interrupted, whether that's work or working out or driving. So there's still a driving mode under Focus now. And in that, in your driving focus mode, which you just go to settings and focus and set up, you can customize there. It still has the ability to, um, silence calls that are coming in so that you, you can see that someone called you once you're done driving, but it's not going to be ringing while you're driving. So I wanted to let that insider know. And then also the rest of you know, because I do think focus mode, while I actually have come to really love focus modes is a little confusing at first for people because it replaces features that used to be there and you don't necessarily know where they are. Do you use a uh, driving focus mode? I use focus modes mainly for work, um, mm-hmm. for, for driving that I didn't end up liking the do not disturb while driving feature. I'd turned that off in the past. So I wasn't personally missing it. Cause I don't, <laughs> I don't like my phone auto sending text messages to people. Yeah, no, totally. I don't like that. I use CarPlay, so I, I don't use it cause I get texts. I mean, in yeah, general, it's me too. tricky I use because CarPlay. it's like, you should certainly texting while driving is very dangerous, but also, the uh, sometimes you get important text when in the car, and if you have somebody else in the car, things like that. The fact that it automatically turns on whether or not you mean to turn it on, uh, it can be tricky. So the thing with this, yeah, you can you can set up do not disturb while driving to turn on automatically. That's what you're just saying, right? Yeah. And um, you still do. I was just double checking this because I wanted to make sure I was right. You still. Um, you can have your focus status shared with people via text message, which just says. David is, what does it say again? I can't remember, but it's something that says that your calls are silenced right now, or it doesn't tell you that you're driving, but it's- Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it did. 
So this, the focus status, which is like, it shows up above the text bar that basically just says that do not disturb is on for you. It doesn't tell, like, it doesn't say whether you're working or doing other things. So there's that functionality, which is new, but there also is auto reply still. So you still can also, in addition, have like the default messages on the road. I'll get back to you soon. Smiley face, but you can customize what that says. And if you want people to be sent that, I don't like that feature for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Do you use it? Or no, you no, said you use I, no I, I have CarPlay, but I, in general, I, I agree with you. I don't like the fat, the auto sending text messages. I'm like, you know what? I'll uh, similar to what we talked about in our, in our do not disturb episode. If y'all want to go back and listen, I don't like the expectation that I have to get back to you right away. So in general, if I take half an hour to an hour to get back to you, that's sort of just like part of, you know, living. So I, I don't feel the need to preemptively text them to let them know that I might take a little bit to get back to you. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think we're ready to get into our news segment. Um, you know, we're going to spend the most time going over the WWDC rumors for our theme of the day. But for news, I did just want to talk about Apple's supply chain delays. That's been in the news a lot lately, just supply chain delays uh, with chips in general because of the pandemic. Uh, And Apple has been included in that. But I wanted to talk, like, we haven't talked about this on the podcast. And it's something I did a little reading on last week to understand better because I was wondering, I'm like, because Apple creates most of its own chips now for all of its new products, like, why is Apple having supply chain delays? Mm-hmm. Uh, because now for the most new iPads or all the new iPads, iPhone and the new Macs, Apple um, makes its own chips now. So you wouldn't think it would be affected in the same way. And what I was reading is that it's really, it's the last stage of the manufacturing where everything is put together. That is the issue. Cause that's still all done in China. Um, and there, there's a lot of supply chain issues there and delays because of the pandemic. And so if Apple, like apparently Apple is trying to make plans in the future to do the final assembly uh, or at least have that be in several different places. So they're not you know, as vulnerable to something like this happening, but right now that still is a big sticking point for Apple. And that's why it's so hard to get Apple devices right now. I mean, I will say, and I, you're about to kind of go through the list, and so maybe I'm just uh, haven't noticed as much, but it does seem anecdotally like Apple's been less affected than other companies. So I do think they are benefiting from some of their supply chain things. And just to put a quick plug into our, for our upcoming book club, Donna and I are reading uh, the book After Steve right now, and we're going to have a book club at some point soon. Uh, mm-hmm. And in the book, I'm reading, I'm right now the chapter of how much Tim Cook revolutionized their supply chain. Uh, and really, he took some really revolutionary stuff in industry wide as well. So it makes sense that Apple, you know, having the, it, I think it's probably pretty unusual to have the CEO of a company like that be such an expert in supply chain logistics. So I'm sure, I'm sure he's really focused on it right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And apparently the iPhone SEs easy to get, but with MacBooks, there's still a wait on some of those. I just wanted to go over kind of what you can expect, depending on what device you're looking to get. Um, for some of them are, are saying early or late June. So that's not too bad for the iPad Air, iPad Pro, and the MacBook Air. You could still get those potentially in June. Um, also the Mac Pro, but then there's some that are, you have to wait till late August for um, including the studio display at the Mac Studio, the iMac, and MacBook Pro. And those are all like that's to some degree affected some of our decisions or, you know, <laughs> in our office wanting to upgrade certain devices and wait times are a factor in that. Um, so, yeah. I just wanted to share that with you all. (laughs) I think the other interesting thing will be how does this affect the upcoming releases? Because I think at this point, you know, Mm -hmm. if you've waited this long, like it's not like there's uh, June is probably a pretty low demand month for new devices because you're almost to where all the new devices are about to be released. Uh, But, you know, in September, when the iPhones come out, how are that going to be affected? In October, you know, when potentially iPads and new computers come out, will they be available like we're used to? I've already started reading that potentially 
the Pro Max, the iPhone Pro Maxes might be a little bit delayed. So we're already starting to hear some rumors of that. And that's where I think it'll become a much bigger deal, at least in my life. <laughs> and I think in general, I think if the new devices are delayed, then, then it's a lot sadder than like, if you can't buy a computer in a random June. I know. Yeah. Uh, I was like reading Mark Gurman's newsletter and saying the same thing where it's like, well, we're expecting Apple to unveil new Macs this year, including a new MacBook Air potentially at WWDC. But if Apple can't even ship its current Macs, like, what does that mean for what's about yeah. to come out? Yeah, yeah totally. so we'll have to keep an eye on that. All right, let's get into rumors, which is fun. Let's do it. <laughs> so iOS 16, I've been hearing some interesting things about. Um, the one that I, the feature that I'm the most intrigued by is the like uh, revamping notifications and lock screen functionality and expanding focus mode settings. Cause I think those are all things like we've been excited about focus mode and the notification summaries and different features we've been playing with, but they feel still somewhat limited and could be better. So mm -hmm. I'm curious to see what Apple will do. And that, that that's been a prominent rumors, at least that I've been reading is that notification systems will be upgraded and that focus modes will have expanded capabilities. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's take a quick step back and talk about WWDC. Um, I, I, those longtime listeners are very familiar, but if you're kind of new to podcasts and the Apple ecosystem, Apple each June has what's called the Worldwide Developer Conference. And they, it's a conference for usually for app developers and software manufacturers for Mac, iPhone, iPad. But the beginning of the conference is usually a keynote address by Tim Cook and a lot of the lead Apple executives, and they announce what will be coming up in all of the new operating systems. So that's what we're talking about. That happens next Monday, and they will be announcing iOS 16. They'll be announcing iPadOS 16, the new Mac operating system, which they'll also tell us what it'll be called, uh, Apple TV, Apple Watch, all of these different operating systems, they all get announced then. Um, and this year, I don't know if you feel this way, Donna, but it feels like we've gotten more rumors than usual. Like, it seems like usually with software, with hardware, it's hard for Apple to, to keep everything under wraps because they start manufacturing early and people with connections to China can go take pictures. Like, I think we already have a pretty good idea of what the new iPhone will look like. But this year, doesn't it seem like we've had a lot of software leaks? Like, I have a lot of rumors sitting here in front of me. No, it's true. I think uh, in past years, there's been a lot more speculation on our part and like wish list items where we're like, well, yeah. I hope Apple releases this, but less things that feel confirmed. Whereas a lot of the things that I've been reading this time around feel more similar to a hardware release rumor where it's like, okay, sounds like we have a pretty good idea ahead of time, the scope of the software release that we're about to get. Like, yeah, it seems like built-in apps are getting an overhaul with iOS 16 and notification and focus mode. And I've been hearing that consistently enough for a while that it seems likely that that is what we'll get. Maybe there'll be a few surprises. In particular, um, Mark Gurman, who writes a newsletter called Power On for Bloomberg, I don't know where his sources are, but he is just every week coming up with new like rumors he's hearing. So it's been interesting and I, it's, it's a newsletter worth checking out potentially. Um, mm -hmm. So let's get let's get into it, though. So, OK, let's just kind of go down this list a little bit. Updated notification system. That's when Donna was just talking about. From what I've read, basically, that's that's the extent of the rumor. I haven't heard anything of what the new notification systems will be. Have you? No. And I was going to say that's where the limitations and what we're sharing come in. Same with expanded focus mode settings. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? I can think of some things I would want that to mean, but I haven't read <laughs> to know to know what that will mean. What um, you, what would you, what what's on your focus mode wish list, Donna? I find the way that you customize customize focus modes to be a bit confusing. Like I find that the apps that you allow to come through and the people, like I don't really have a specific request. I suppose. But I find it to feel difficult to customize in a way that I feel confident that I'm not missing important notifications at times. Like it kind of creates too much 
of a wall and that I don't feel like I have that good of an idea of what I'm missing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've blocked certain apps and certain people and it just feels, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess in some ways adding more customization settings might make that problem worse, not better. (laughs) It's like, but if they found a way to make it more intuitive, um, and to have like a clearer idea of what's being blocked, I would like that. I don't know how they exactly they would do that. But right now it's like um, only certain calls and notifications are coming through in each of these different focus modes. And sometimes it feels like I'm missing important things. One thing that I, yeah, totally. If they just made it, I agree, kind of a little more intuitive to set up and manage is sort of what you're saying. Yeah. One thing that I would want, and this is maybe niche to me, I don't know, but um, I was always intrigued by the focus mode feature where you could set up different desktops for different focus modes, but that feature has always been really bundled with all of these call blocking and text blocking, which I don't like. Uh, And so, you know, in general, I either, I, I would be interested to have that be a separate feature where when I'm on work, when I'm at work, I can have one home screen. And when I am not at work, I can have a different home screen, but not have that be coupled with when I'm at work, not getting any text messages or phone calls. Cause I get enough urgent things that I just, I don't like blocking it. So I would be interested in that. Is that some, could I interest oh, you in that? Yeah, no, I think that's a really good idea. It's kind of strange the way you customize home screens though, too. Like they're, um, it's not something that you're able to like if you create, use a certain home screen um, and you have certain apps on it, they're still like, you can uncheck it. So it doesn't show up at other times, but it's still like, I've ended up having, like, I can swipe through different home screens. And they all have like have some overlapping apps on the home screen because I've set one up for work and personal life and forget to uncheck them at other, like, I'm sorry, the way I'm describing this is really confusing. So maybe I'll stop. But I do feel like they're um, the way that you customize the home screens right now is not the most intuitive. And the fact that they can show up even when you're outside of that mode, unless you remember to go uncheck it, isn't the best either. Yeah, no, totally. Um, but let's talk about, I think, two of the features that I'm really excited about, and they kind of go hand in hand, are the lock screen and the widget. So let's talk about that. I've been doing a deep dive in this. uh, And this is one, not only am I excited about it, but there's also more details that are being leaked. So let's talk about widgets first. Uh, So the things I'm reading about widgets are, the thing that I'm most excited about is what they're calling, that widgets can, will hopefully be able to be, the rumor is that widgets will be interactive. So right now, just as an example, I have um, Audible as a widget on my home screen because I listen to a lot of audiobooks. When I, what the widget looks like is it basically is an image of the book I'm reading. And when I want to play the book, I tap on the widget, it opens up Audible, and then I have to go push play. In iOS 16, the rumor is that the play button will be on the widget. And that's not just for Audible. It's the, you can actually interact with the app within the widget as opposed to having to open up the app. And so for a lot of widgets, it's like there's usually a very specific thing you're trying to do that you can just do without having to open the app. And But yet right now they're making you open the app. So I'm really excited about that um, as a possibility for um, being able to interact with widgets, in particular for me, just being able to push play. Like, are you kidding me? So that one I'm excited about. The other rumor with widgets I'm hearing is that apparently they're doing what the, at least the rumors are calling a big widget, which is you can have a, a widget that then has widgets within it. It's almost like a control center that you have control over that's always on your display. So you could, for example, have a have an area with widgets that then you add like uh, your Audible. And I think they're going to be able to do control center type things. So for example, like you could be able to control your brightness on your phone or your volume from a widget as opposed to always having to open up the control center. Um, are those, I mean, that's, I'm excited about that. How do you, uh, how do you feel about that, Donna? I think that that sounds amazing. I also hope 
that um, when we're talking about lock screen, lock screen being revamped, that you'll be able to add those types of widgets to your lock screen. Yeah. And so let's talk about that for a minute, because what I'm hearing is that you will. And one of the most persistent rumors we're hearing about the new iPhone is that it'll have an always on display. So that's actually not that crazy of a rumor because Apple already has that technology built into the Apple Watch. So the Apple Watch has an always on display and how it works is typically iPhones have a refresh rate, I believe, of like 120 hertz, like 120 frame times per second. It refreshes a lot. Um, so um, that... Uh, what that does, though, is it can drain your battery pretty quickly. So what it what an always-on display is is it basically a refresh rate of once per second, and so it it doesn't. It's not ideal for like if you're in your phone and you're trying to play a game or even like scroll. But if you just are looking at your phone randomly and it's just uh, periodically glancing at it, a once per second refresh rate is totally fine. So the idea is that Apple's going to take that technology, put into their iPhone, then you have a display that is always on, but not draining your battery. And it dims when you haven't been using it for a while, but it's still there. Yes, it dims. It doesn't have the full functionality, but it has some functionality and it will potentially have widgets as part of that so that you can just use the widgets on your lock screen because your lock screen's always on. It sounds cool. I'm excited about it. And so like the way they describe it is uh, not only is it always on like your Apple watch, but the widgets, like they, they're also in some ways kind of similar to like complications, which are also an Apple watch feature where you see like a little tidbit from an app on your watch face. Although on your watch face, it just launches the app. Whereas what we're talking about is it actually lets you take action from the widget. And that is, you know, more possible thanks to expanded screen real estate on your iPhone, whereas on your Apple watch, there's just not room to do that. Yeah. The combination of all three of these things. And again, I, I hope that all these rumors are correct because the combination of all three of these things sounds awesome. The ability to interact with widgets from the widget, having more widget functionality, like uh, controlling brightness and volume and things like that, and having it on the home screen with an always on display. That feels like a really not only a cool operating system update, but an actual really useful one. A lot of times Apple announces features that are like, I always call them sizzle features. So things that they will market, but don't act, nobody actually uses. A good example of that is like, send your heart rate to your loved one remotely. Like who sends <laughs> a heart rate? But Apple got really excited about it. But these seem really useful. Yeah, they do. Uh, one other rumor I heard, it's also vague and up for interpretation is wallpapers with widget like qualities. And one thing that I think could be really cool is like, imagine if there was a wallpaper that was like a weather related wallpaper, you know, how like a uh, widget will give you the forecast with this might be like, if it's raining outside, have like a wallpaper that's raining and then shifts to something else and like gives you some information about the forecast in that. Like, how cool would that be? Oh, that could be super cool. Yeah, I'd be interested in that. At first, I was like, oh, I don't know what that would be. But yeah, that is a good use case of that. You just glance at your phone and you can see the weather based on the wallpaper. That would be fun. I know. I hope that feels very like Harry Potter cool to me. <laughs> Other rumors <laughs> I was reading is um, more health tracking uh, features in the health app, messages with social networking-like capabilities, uh, and expanded audio messages. I'm trying to think what that could mean in terms of like how could the messages app be more like social media. Um, I mean, I do think already having the now the focus mode notification that says like Donna has her notification silenced above, like it's like kind of like a status bar that a lot of social media apps have, um, mm. but. I don't know. What, what do you have any thoughts on what that could look like? Uh, so you said the messages social media like. Um, yeah. Every time I hear Apple trying to do something social media like, I always get nervous. They do. A, they I tend know. to do a bad job. They tend to be like. It feels like, and I, I know this is maybe a little bit condescending, but it feels like they have a bunch of like. Apple tends to do like be a little bit of an older demographic as a company. Yeah, and yeah. I think they have a lot of, I, my feeling is there are a bunch of old dudes sitting in a room and be like, what are the kids like these days? Let's do that. <laughs> and that's where like these weird features, like send your heart rate come out. Uh, or, I mean, even like, I like Apple fitness uh, 
challenges, but like the auto generated messages to send to each other, they're all ones being like, see ya, never. Like they're like these like messages that are supposed to be things that it sounds like kids would send to each other, but never would. Apple has a hard (laughs) time being cool with the kids. (laughs) Their 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 hardware is so cool, but they cannot like, they're not good at those sort of like social media functionalities that's cool. I mean, a good example is like Snapchat is so good at like being cool and trendy with kids and like they, and TikTok is and Apple just can't quite pull it off. Yeah. Do you feel like the Apple could under Steve Jobs or even then? Because I was going to say, in some ways, I feel like Apple used to have more cool factor than it does, but I still think everyone thinks Apple products are cool. And I mean, maybe it just never, Apple was never cool in that specific way. I I think it's an interesting question because I think in a lot of ways, the executive team in Apple has, you know, has basically remained the same leadership over the years, which has been great for consistency, but that leadership is aged. So like, yeah, when Steve Jobs came out with like the original Macintosh or like the original Apple one or two, and he was like under 30 years old, I'm sure it was cool. But as Apple has aged and the executive leadership has aged with it, they've just had a hard time keeping their fingers on the pulse of what's cool for kids. Although, no, you know what? I take that back. The iPod was the coolest. Like those commercials, everything about it was cool. So I think it is a more recent challenge. And again, their hardware is still cool. Apple's still a very like trendy company, but these specific features. So the part of it is, I think they're going to try to do another like version of Snapchat where you have like disappearing messages and disappearing uh, photos, which I actually think has a place. Like there's a time and place where I want to send somebody a private message and I want that message to disappear. (laughs) And you can't do that on Apple. Like if I, for example, want to say something snarky about like a mutual friend, not that I ever do that, but if (laughs) I did, I would not want that to remain on the phone. (laughs) Um, So there's, I I could see Apple doing it well, but the words Apple and social media rarely go well together. (laughs) No, I think that's a good point. I mean, even and emojis or me emojis, which I think can be fun. Like they also fall a little into that category of me for me. Like, I don't think they've really taken off quite the way Apple hoped they would. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving on for, that's all I have for iOS 16, but I have some interesting uh, rumors for iPad OS. Should um, we move can on I to say, talking about that? Yeah. Can I just say one more thing about iOS 16? Uh, The always on display and the like interactive widgets on the lock screen. I'm hearing contradictory things. Some people are saying that it will be for all devices, all iPhones. And some people are saying it will only be for the iPhone 14. So the always on display will almost certainly only be for the new phone. But uh, the interactive widgets on the lock screen might be for all the iPhones and it might not. A really interesting test is going to be, do they announce it? Because sometimes Apple will keep some of their most exciting operating system features for when they announce the new iPhone, specifically if their iPhone Uh, if they're only for the new iPhone. So for example, portrait mode way back in the day was announced with the new iPhone that could do portrait mode. They didn't announce it ahead of time at iOS at WWDC. So if they announce it on the lock screen, it's a high degree of likelihood that it'll work for all the phones. If they announce it, if they wait and they announce it with the new iPhone, then it'll probably only be for the new iPhones. But the most recent rumor is it'll be for older phones as well. Cool. Um, so with iPad OS, I have been, I'm excited about the potential. Like it's in the, again, not really like the rumors are vague and it'll be like redesigned this knew that, but not like down to exactly what that'll look like. But I think the iPad, uh, like needs to diverge more from iOS 16 in terms of the operating system to have it be able to take more advantage of one, like having an M1 chip for some of the newer iPads and also having a bigger screen that has more capabilities. And it sounds like Apple is starting to make some changes in that direction. So for iPad OS 16, um, 
you know, rumors are saying that there'll be a new multitasking interface that'll be like revamped once again. Apple made some good changes with iPad OS 15, making it a lot easier to visually see that you're able to do, go into things like split screen. Like there's that three dot bar that shows you that you can do multitasking when you can. And that was a good step, but I still think that Apple needs to do more. Um, and other things I was reading too, is that there'll be the ability to use even more apps at once in iPad OS and that they won't all be taking you to full screen. So certain apps like might not need full screen as much like notes comes to mind potentially or contacts. Like it's like something where you can just pull up as like a little like sticky note type thing and then also have a bunch of other apps open. So I'm, I'm intrigued by those rumors. I'm, I'm smirking over here because I uh, just, I don't have a lot of hope for the iPad operating system. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great in a lot of ways, but it's this, I've had the same complaint for, I don't know, three or four years now, which is basically Apple tries to market the iPad as a computer replacement. It adds hardware to make it a computer replacement in the sense it has a really beautiful screen. It has a really powerful chip. Everything about it means it is fast enough and powerful enough to replace your computer. But for some reason, they stick with an operating system that is really mobile first. So they take the iPhone operating system and they make it there. They port it over to the iPad and they don't change a lot of things where in my opinion, what they need to do is they need to have it look and feel it needs to basically be the Mac operating system. And then they can simplify it a little bit from there. Or really, and this is, I think, part of where Apple's problem is, is they're trying to not copy Microsoft. But I think Microsoft got it right with their Surface, where you can switch modes from a mobile mode that looks and feels like the iPad does now to a desktop mode that looks and feels like the Mac does. And I think all of these things I'm reading, like, a new multitask operating system, uh, the ability to have you know apps not take up the full screen. All of that to me says Apple's trying to make it closer to a Mac operating mm-hmm. system. But everything I've seen to date means they always take a small step, but it's never enough. And that's why they keep having to take these small steps and small steps. And it's driving me crazy because I feel like the solution is they just need to go all in and then they're not doing it. So we'll, well see. It's like this stubbornness. You're sort of like, oh, like all these features sound a little more like a Mac, but why won't you just do it? Why won't you just make it? You could either be in mobile mode or in desktop mode on your iPad. And, I agree. And, and like part of why I'm rolling my eyes is like they're focusing on the areas that need improvement, multitasking, you know, window management. But they're, every year we get a new way to do multitasking. And it's like, you know what? They solved that problem with the Mac 10 years ago. Why don't they just do it that way instead of every year, like slightly making it closer? I, it just drives me completely insane. Maybe this is the year that they actually go all in and solve all these problems, but I will believe it when I see it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Multi-user support and the option to use desktop. Like those seem like like we've been for as long as the iPad has existed, wanted the, those capabilities yeah. and we just never get them. And it's like, I, again, it's weird. I find myself in this weird position where I love the iPad. I'm, I think even in our company, maybe one of the biggest iPad advocates, I think it's yeah. a great device for use leisurely. But when I go to travel, I need to bring an iPad and a computer with me. It is not a computer replacement. And if, if they fix their operating system, it could be, and they want it to be, yet they've refused to do the things they need to do. I don't know. I know I'm like maybe uh, getting a little intense with this one, but I, it drives me crazy every year when I have to cover a- iPad's operating system and, I, and they're like, oh, we fixed multitasking again for the fifth year. It's revolutionary multitasking. And you're like, okay, Apple. <laughs> no, you're right. And to be clear, David and I are expecting that again this year, that the rumors are not, you know, making me feel more optimistic that we'll get a desktop option on the Mac, but it does sound like Apple is not just doing slight tweaks to iOS 16 and calling it iPad OS 16. It sounds like there will be specific iPad OS features, which could be interesting. Another rumor is just that apps and widgets in general will be, you know, the built-in apps 
and Apple's widgets will be more built to take advantage of the bigger screen, um, less unused space for the iPad display like that. I do think widgets could be more different and they they could be like more differentiated on the iPad and have more functionality since there is the big display. So that could be. And I, I do want to talk about the apps for a second. We, we, we talked about it briefly for iOS 16, but we sort of glossed over it. But to me, it's actually the most exciting of the rumors that Apple is planning major redesigns of a lot of their built-in apps. And I think it's overdue and I'm excited to see what they come up with. You know, in particular, like Stocks app is so minimalist and really doesn't have enough functionality right now podcast app we we all talk about it it doesn't have a lot of the features that it needs uh you know and a lot of their apps just have not been overhauled in years and could use it so i'm excited to see that both for ios 16 and ipad os 16 me too so now moving on to watch os i have not i don't know much about the watch os rumors beyond that there's going to be more health tracking features which seems like a great direction for apple to go in continuing to make that, you know, Apple watch like a health and safety type device. Um, have you, have you heard anything more specific? You know what I've heard uh, just to back up for a second, part of why I'm not optimistic about Apple totally rehaul, like doing a major change to their iPad operating system is because I think we would have heard bigger rumors about it saying, Oh, it's going to rehaul their operating system. They, like words like that, which we haven't heard. It's more like, oh, tweaks to multitasking. I have heard for Apple Watch that it's going to be a major update and a major change, but yet I have not heard what that is. So I don't know. I'm really curious. Certainly health functionality is something we're hearing. Um, and it does seem like Apple's planning big things for the Apple Watch. What those big things are, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just reading up a little bit, but... Um... Um, and I have yeah, we'll two, see. I have two new, I have, uh, I added this section here, new devices. So I have been reading rumors of a couple of new devices that might be announced for WWC. I want to preface this by saying every single year, there are rumors of devices announced at WWDC and Apple very rarely announces hardware at WWDC. So these are, in my opinion, the least likely things to be announced. It's almost every year we have this. So smart money would say they don't announce new products, but nonetheless, we're here to tell you the rumors. Uh, And these are two products that will almost definitely be announced this year. Uh, Probably just my guess is not in June. So the first one's the MacBook Air, which is a little bit overdue for an update. Um, So that one I'm really excited about. You know, rumors around that are similar, you know, taking some of the features from the MacBook Pro. So having the notch display, potentially having a higher resolution display, uh, having um, the, a new computer chip, an M2 chip maybe. So that's potentially coming, my guess is in the fall, but certainly I would not buy a computer between now and next week. Let's put it that way. Uh, the other one, which I'm really, really interested to see what Apple does with and maybe I could see them announcing it, would be the augmented reality. Apple has been working for years on augmented reality, and they've been slowly sneaking features into the iPhone with this. And every time they add a feature for augmented reality in the iPhone, everyone's like, well, we, that's not that useful for an iPhone. And we're all like, oh, they're building towards an actual hardware. I think this is the year that Apple is actually going to announce an augmented reality. So just to back up a little bit, Virtual reality is like what an Oculus is. It's a, it's a device that goes over your face and covers your face so that all you see is a screen in front of you. Augmented reality is a device where you see the real world, but it can add things on top of it. So, you know, Google Glasses was sort of the classic example, but Google Glasses, of course, was years ago. But something like that. I think whatever Apple announces, will pro- it'll probably be similar to like, I think Microsoft has something that's similar to this. So it's, there's other hardware manufacturers doing this. I think it'll be the type of thing that um, if they announce it, it'll be a niche product, not for that many people. We'll all say, oh, I don't know. Why is Apple doing this? It's probably not that exciting. But I think that within 10 to 20 years, augmented reality will replace computers and iPhones. So keep an eye on it, because if you imagine as computer chips get smaller and more powerful based on, I think it's Murphy's Law, uh, 
you can eventually fit a computer chip into glasses. And if you have the ability with augmented reality to like, say, project a computer screen in front of you, why would you need a computer ever? So it's really interesting to me. I'm really excited to see what Apple does with it because Apple has a tendency to wait to get into a space, but then once they do come in and revolutionize it, think of the iPhone. They weren't the first smartphone, but they were the only one that mattered in the end. So I'll be curious to see what happens with that one. I'm super curious about that as well. Yeah, so far, augmented reality and virtual reality features, I haven't found anything that applies directly to my life in a way that's super useful yet. But the fact that it, like you said, with augmented reality, that it's like the future of technology, I'm always interested to keep an eye on it and see what Apple is going to come out with next. Um, I did want to just circle. Sorry, did you want to add something? No, 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 go ahead. I wanted to circle back to watchOS because there were some interesting rumors um, in in one of our posts on our site, which I'll link to in our show notes, by the way, um, that I thought were worth sharing. When it comes to health tracking, we did have some details about what that could look like. Um, Women's health tracking, that's available in the health app right now, um, but there's, and you can use it on your Apple watch, but um, there could be more upgrades to that. Sleep tracking, fitness, and medication management. That was one I wanted to mention because that's something that uh, I've heard, you know, in the rumors for the last couple of years, but it would be nice to finally get more features in that, in that regard. I also, yeah. So then there's another one that um, I think is really crummy on the Apple watch right now. And I hope that this is true an improvement to the power reserve mode, mm-hmm. low power mode on your iPhone is really powerful in that it limits certain features. A, a lot of them are ones that you won't even notice that you can't use in low power mode, but it reserves battery space, but it still basically gives you most of the functionality on your iPhone still. So there's not that many downsides to it. Whereas basically power reserve mode on your Apple watch turns your Apple watch into a clock and that's it until it dies. (laughs) Um, And it only like kicks in when your Apple watch is about to die. So if a Apple does revamp this, it could be more like low power mode on your iPhone, which would limit access to certain apps, but still would let you do more with your Apple watch, even when there's limited battery and still extend the life of it. So I hope that that one's true. That, yeah, that would be cool. Um, one other, just to, you know, name it, we, we haven't, we don't have the Mac operating system here just cause we haven't heard a lot of rumors about it, but I have the one rumor I was just reading is that they're going to redo the settings app in the Mac to make it look mm. and feel a lot more like the iPhone which I think I'm a fan of. I think the iPhone settings functionality is a little bit more intuitive than the way Mac is laid out. So I think I'm excited about that, but we'll see. We'll see what they do. Yeah, it'd be nice too if it just was called the same thing too, because like system preferences versus settings, it would just be nice if it matched up. And I do think with Mac OS Monterey, having the control center look the same as it does on the iPhone has felt a lot more intuitive to me. So I like the idea of Apple going more in that direction. I like, even though Apple has very staunchly said they're not going to merge operating systems, I like that they're adding more overlap between them so that you kind of have an intuitive experience as you go from device to device. Yeah. I would like to make for our question of the week this episode uh, to hear from all of you, what rumors for WWDC and the new operating systems are you most excited about? Email us at podcast at iphonelife.com. And let us know. And uh, we probably should have led with this, but just a quick, what we will be doing to cover WWC. So it is next Monday. So that, what date would that be, Donna? Do you know off the top June of your head? June 6th. So Monday, June 6th is WWDC. And Apple, first let's talk about what Apple does. They always stream it. So if you're interested in this, you can watch it live. It's at, mm. I believe it's at 12 central time. So 10 Pacific time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you can watch it live from your Apple TV, from any Apple device. So, uh, I think you just go to Safari, I believe, to watch it. On Apple TV, there's actually... Uh, it used to be an app, but now I actually don't know. But we have an article about it. So this leads us to what we will be doing. We will be sending a rumor roundup coming soon. Probably we usually send it Sunday night of all the most recent rumors that we're hearing of all the all the devices. And then we send a recap right after the um, right after the announcement. 
So stay tuned if you are not somebody who wants to or has time to watch the live announcement. Check our website regularly throughout the day. We'll just be posting updates throughout the day, and then we'll send you an email immediately after. And... Uh, or that evening, we'll send an email once we write all the articles and Don and I will do a podcast. So we will do a podcast with our reaction as well. All right, everyone. So uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. It's We're really excited to see what Apple does end up coming out with next week. As David said, stay tuned and we'll, uh, we'll be giving you our hot takes after WWDC. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Thanks, excited. Everybody. Thanks everybody. And stick around insiders for complaints and learning. Mm-hmm.